Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, we have a few things to tell you. We do. We want to make sure that you remember that our next Patreon Buffy watch is of Bad Girls, and it's this Saturday, December 9th at 2 p.m. Pacific. We'll be watching that amazing episode all together as a group and chatting it up. So if you're already a patron, you know how these work. If you're not, but you want to get into it, just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on Patreon, and you can learn everything there. Also, we just want to shout out that our beautiful, beautiful, beautiful secret Facebook group uh, of our Patreon patrons just started a book club. A book club. I can't take it. (sighs) They're too precious. You're all wonderful. Now, as you know, tis the season. Whatever that means. We just wanted to let you know that you should get your buffering merchandise over in our store while you can. There's new stock that's coming in this weekend, so if you've gone in the last week and the size of the shirt that you need for your favorite best gal pal is not there, (laughs) you can check back at the beginning of next week. That will be the last restocking that we're doing before the holiday shipping deadlines kick in, so you want to get there as soon as you can and grab what you can while you can because some of these things will sell out. We're doing our best to keep it in stock, but we just heads up, you know, if you need... The Board Meow t-shirt, or if you need the new goth Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy t-shirt, or God forbid if you need the Giles pin, that one you really want to grab, because uh, those are going like uh, wildfire? Hot cakes? Like hot cakes, Jenny says. So as you probably know, bufferingthevampireslayer.com, just click on shop, you can find out all of the details about all of that stuff, and get all your goodies while they last. Speaking of goodies. You're going to want, if you don't already, you're going to want to start following us on Twitter this week because we're going to be doing some giveaways. We're going to be giving away some palm hats, a set of Faith and Buffy Funko dolls, the second volume of The Watcher's Guide, and more. So follow us at BufferingCast on Twitter. I just don't think you were as excited as you should have been about the Faith and Buffy Funko dolls. Like, you just said it. Like, it was like nothing. Well, I just, I'm just trying not to, I don't want to impose my excitement on everyone else. This this incredible thing is happening where you wonderful listeners are sending us things to give away. Christine, our listener Christine, and her cats Mary Jane Brock and Octavius hmm. sent us these Funko dolls so that we could pass on the love. It's really incredible. And if you are a person that has some Buffy items that you don't know what to do with, you have a double set of something or what have you, you can find our mailing address on our website if you want to send it to us and then we will give it away way to a Buffy fan out there who's just been waiting for their moment. Just redistributing the Buffy wealth, as it were. So we're going to be doing that giveaway on Twitter this week. So uh, get yourself, get the over to Twitter Mm. at BufferingCast. Now, something just very briefly we want to touch on from last week. So last week we did amends. We did amends with Gabby Dunn and we were looking at the episode in a particular lens because men, redemption, (laughs) etc. And it was a rough time for a redemption story arc. Right. It was great. And a lot of you were super stoked on it, as were we. I think it it was a really fun 
one way of sort of internalizing a story that may have been different because of context and what have you. However, however, some of you had had wonderful things to share with us about this episode that I think are important to also talk about. So we just wanted to share a piece of an email from Jenny in Massachusetts. Great that I name. Think Great name that I think touches on these points. So Jenny wrote in, I wanted to write in about amends. First, I love Gabby and I understand her anger about men, but I didn't see the episode in the same mindset that she did. I didn't see it as a man redemption episode. Instead, I thought it was more closely a representation of someone struggling with depression and PTSD. I thought the song was a better representation of the message for the episode. And as a person who suffers from depression and PTSD, the song made me cry. Thank you for that message. Angel is hundreds of years old, but the years where he was a vampire shouldn't count towards his emotional age, since it was literally a demon and not him. Sure, he was 26 when he was turned, but it's shown that he wasn't emotionally mature at that age. He'd been insulted for quite a number of years, but he was basically mindless and in pain until he was given his purpose of helping Buffy. So... Jenny, thank you for this. And Jenny actually wrote a longer email, and we have a few other really interesting emails. We're going to touch on those in our next Patreon mailbag. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know on Patreon, if you're a $10 donor, you get bonus mailbags every month and a half or so where we read just these brilliant emails that you all send to us. And so we'll share more of Jenny's email and some of your other emails about Angel and Amends. But I just thought these two points were important to touch on, and I I really do want to say that I think we should have touched on the mental health through lines of this episode as well. Most we definitely. really didn't. We got we got carried away with like men and like sometimes bullshit. Gabby Dunn comes over <laughs> and she's like on fire and you're just like, well, I'm combustible. Let's do this. Yes. But um but the themes of mental health that run through the show are really important and we're you know we'll have plenty of time to talk about oh, yeah. more of them as things go forward. But I just wanted to thank you, Jenny, and thank you for, to the many others of you who wrote in and said, you know, this is how I feel about Angel and I just want to make sure that like you understand that we do we very much do um and we will talk about it more as the season progresses also we love angel also we love angel it's like just I think, in case that was not clear right like it's like angel is the character angel's like your your like big brother who you're like this guy you know but at the end of the day you're like but this guy yeah you know so so when you maybe listen to an episode and we're all we're taking entirely the path of this fucking guy just try to remember that we you know we have a gift under our tree for angel too yes and we'll try to remember that too yes <laughs> um so one last thing oh my god very important squeak 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 we have a guest in this episode, a very special guest. It is the rat who was on the no. set. No, it's not. It's not. That rat is pretty comfortable saying. R.I.P. Rat Amy. <laughs> but we, real, real IRL Amy. Uh, Elizabeth Ann Allen is here uh, to talk with us in this episode. And we are so excited that we got to speak with her. She was such a peach and so great. And we're really excited to share the conversation with you. We are. So let's get into the dang episode. to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where, of course, we are watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time in sweet, sweet chronological order. 
My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this is a spoiler free podcast. We're going to say that up at the top from now on. Oh, yeah. If you haven't, you know, just in case there's some new people who just jumped right in season three. We're not talking forward. We're not. This week, we are talking about season three, episode 11. Gingerbread. I always want to say moo. I think this is season faith episode moo. Mm, valid. By our classification. Yes. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Gingerbread. Wow. The credits. Uh, the story was written by Jane Espenson and Thania St. John. Thania St. John. Tania St. John. Uh-huh, great. If anybody knows, let us know. Uh, the teleplay then was written by Jane Espenson, and it was directed by James Whitmore Jr. and originally aired on January 12th, 1999. Welcome to 1999. Welcome to 99, everybody. Oh, you know, 98 is 98's my year, so I have like a special connection. 98's the year I graduated from high school. Uh. So like, you know, every time we said 98, I was like, 98. <laughs> uh, when we get to 2000, you'll feel that way, right? You graduated in 2000? I did. But I 99, did. Buffy's year. Uh, yes. So it's Buffy's year to graduate. God damn it. Uh, according to, oh, did you have more credits? No, no. Okay. No, that was all of them. Oh, thank God. Them. I noticed in the credits that it said teleplay by Jane Espenson. And I, I, maybe before that, I just hadn't noticed it said who the story was by. But that's very interesting. Yeah, I get, listen, we're laymen here. We don't know what we're talking about. But you've got to imagine Well, that... it seems like, because there really is a story. I mean, what, what let, let, you know, let me say the description and then we'll get into the damn episode. Yes, but, yes, 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 uh, yes. According to IMDb, this is the one where... After discovering the corpses of two young children bearing a symbol linked to the occult, Joyce spearheads a campaign to rid Sunnydale of witches. Not a great look for Joyce in this episode. No. Well, it's a great hair look for Joyce yeah, no, no, in no, no, this no. episode. <laughs> Obviously, she looks <laughs> yeah, literally she looks amazing. fantastic. Uh, but not but a great, yeah. Hate to see Joyce Summers leading a literal witch hunt. Yeah. Before we get there, I just want to say that the teleplay, what I was saying before, it makes a little bit of sense to me because there's really a story. I mean, whatever. There's a story in every episode, of course. But the idea of like Hansel and Gretel being like these repetitious character. Like I could see like maybe they crafted right. the story together. And then Jane Espenson was like, how do I fit this into a script. Right, right. With I'm the, just, the message I'm getting from you is that I need to start having a lot of uh, lunches with yes. television writers yes. and just like uh, <laughs> bombarding them with my amazing ideas. Yes. Another another idea you should get from me is that if you ever want to hear two people talk about how television is made who have never <laughs> made any television, this is the place for you. Yeah, and we certainly could have. There are people we could have asked. Yeah, there, there are hitting record. But would that have been as fun? No, 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 no. no. It would not have. Anyhow, yes. Let's get into this episode. An episode with. Some serious, like, there's some disturbing shit in this episode. Can I Can I get everybody excited about what's to come in this episode? Would you and, please? And I don't just mean a fashion update from Kate Leth, who's back with us this week. Because we're going to get there. But we had the incredible pleasure of getting to speak with Elizabeth Ann fucking 
fucking Alan. My word. Who plays? Fucking is not part of her uh, legal name. I added it because of excitement. Because of excitement. Excitement. But yes, we got a chance to speak with her. We had a phone call with her where we talked to her all about playing Amy and how she, you know, transformed into a rat. I mean, it was a whole discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're going to hear from her in this episode. She was, you know, what we're coming to understand about every person on this damn show is that one is nicer than the next. Like every person that we speak to is just wonderful, gracious, kind, ju- like just just the best. Just yeah, the best. it's really out of control. It really is a and special thing. Elizabeth Ann Allen was certainly no exception. What a peach. Anyhow, let's get into the episode. Good gravy. Perhaps, uh, you know, it's really early right out of the gates to be so disturbed, but man, that's a huge bag of snacks that Joyce brought <laughs> yeah, I to Buffy. I'm glad you saw it because I and almost- She's got like a rotisserie <laughs> chicken in there and like two, like a pint of mac and cheese. Hey, moms know how to make a snack. I'll tell you why. Yeah, it's Moms true. don't fuck around with snacks. I'll tell you why. I went to the beach so many, for like every day of my whole young childhood because I lived on Long Island at that point in time and- my aunts, my mom, they could pack a goddamn snack. Grapes with pretzels. They would pack their own uh, snacks that include pina coladas. Sure, sure. You know, they just, they know how to make. Yeah, yeah, ants on a log. You'd have leftover chicken. They'd make it into chicken salad. Oh, my Put some God. fucking walnuts what? in that like, there's shit. There's something about leftovers. There's also something about. Stuff that your mom makes. Yes. That, like, you don't normally have. Something that anyone makes. Like, something that a person that you love makes for you. Oh, yeah. What is it like to have someone you love make you food all the time? Excuse me? I'm just wondering. What's it like? Excuse me. Are you trying to? Is this the point where you, like Cordelia, say, that was a pointed comment (laughs) about you're taking care of me. (laughs) I make you things all the time. Chicken salad included. You do. You did. Tell them. They think I'm a horrible wife now. No, no, no. I was talking to Sam, actually. (laughs) what is it like (laughs) yes Sam what is it like people just feed you and dote on you and care for you all the time and have to do nothing in return just so you all have a visual Sam sits on the little couch next to me while we record and while we're speaking I am scratching her belly she's licking my hand it's a whole human cat thing thing. my first note from the episode is coats Because, oh, because like, it's probably like 60 degrees out there. It probably is 60 degrees out there. But we've, I mean, we talk about Buffy's trench coat collection all the time. It's just like, it still astounds me every time that she's yeah, yeah. still wearing a trench coat. And Joyce is wearing a, eh, it's not even a trench coat, but it's, it's a- January. Listen, yeah. a lot of you people who don't live here in Southern California think that it doesn't get cold here, but it really does. And it's a different kind of cold that chills you to the bone because it's so Oh, it's God. A dry you can't, cold. Jenny. Here's what I've learned living in Los <laughs> Angeles is when I didn't live in Los Angeles, I made fun of everybody in Los Angeles for being cold. And now that I live here, I've tried a couple times to do what you're doing, to say, but you don't it's not understand. Worth it. it's, it's not, not worth, worth it. it. Because you know what? When I was on the other side, I could have never heard me talking to yeah. me. Nope. And it's I'm, no use. You'll no, never understand no, us. Just, and we made a joke of it literally in our rendition of Buffy. It's cold outside just last week. Right, right, right. Okay, so back to Mr. Sanderson from the bank. Mm. I love that Joyce can recognize Mr. Sanderson, even though he's got fresh vamp face. Yeah, yeah. Joyce can see right through that vamp face. Uh, yeah, Mr. Sanderson from the bank. Also, like, Joyce's role in this is very amazing. Like, right. you know, like, so, honey, kill him, you know? Or, like, yeah, yeah, he's she... over here now, <laughs> you know? I, 
I wish. She's there to be supportive. She's clearly like trying to help. Thinks she's helping. Is not helping. Is not helping. But I wish we. I wish we would get a few more scenes of Joyce trying to help Buffy. You know, Mm -hmm. like this is a great. It's just a great exchange. Yeah, yeah. And then we go to what I call Drew's playground. Oh my gosh! The first time we were watching this, Kristen was like. This used to be Drew's playground. Okay, that was a horrible rendition of the song. How does the melody go? It goes, this used to be Drew's playground. Used to be. (laughs) This used to be Drew's childhood dream. I think I actually changed the lyrics when I first sang it. Wow. To be like, this is the place she ran to whenever she wanted kids to scream. Right, right. Something like that. that. It's good to know that I can successfully get you to sing something by singing it wrong. Oh, sure. Like you did that on purpose. (laughs) Slowly over the course of the next eight years with this podcast, you'll learn that I'm the true singer. (laughs) Uh, I have a note about Joyce's hair looking incredible. And my notes are Drew's playground, Joyce's hair looks amazing, and then dead kids. That's and then credits. That the, the, that was the extent of the notes that I took. Yeah, there's two uh two little kids. Yeah, and I I mean I did write dead kids for a reason because I would have remembered that there were two dead kids. But I, I wanted to talk about the fact that I think what I said to Jenny while we were watching is this is the first time we've seen dead kids. And she said, Well, we did see the anointed one. Get killed. There was a there was a through line of dead kids, a plot line of dead kids in Der Kinderstadt. I'm going to oh, Der yeah. Kinder stop you. That right, one, whatever that one's called. But we never saw any of those. But kids. we didn't see. We just heard about dead, it. We just heard about you know her cousin dying. We heard well, like we sort of saw it about to happen, but we never like saw a dead right, kid. Right, 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 right. So it is a big deal. It's a big deal for us as viewers. It's a big deal for Sunnydale uh, as a populace. Apparently, it's a really big deal for Sunnydale. Very big deal. Um, and so, and and this is like, not to get in too deep too fast mm. here, but this is like a thing, right? This is like how our society functions. It's always save the children. The children are, and, and it's called out a little bit in this episode because like Buffy's like, you know, I know that I know that it's fucked up that like kids died, but like what did did Mr. Sanderson have it coming? Like, you know what I mean? Why yeah. why does it become like there's this combination of innocence and right, um, right? You know, and like I I understand I'm I'm certainly not advocating for <laughs> children to die here, but I think it's important to look at the way that themes like this are pulled out in our society to. Uh, get people to act in mob right. mentality ways, uh-huh. you know, like, and I'm I'm thinking specifically of like pro life movements and things like this. That mm-hmm, like it mm-hmm. becomes such a panic that that children are innocent and cannot they cannot help themselves, so we must help them. That it really ignites has ignited in this country and plenty of other countries across the world mentalities like we see in this episode. So sorry, I know I'm just you just settled in. Kristen You're ready for a laugh. To die. I just down with children. <laughs> down with children. There's a there's a uh, a theory book that I read when I was in grad school called No Future by I think Lee Edelman, mm. and it really stuck with me because one of the big through lines in this book is it talks about this. Talks about um, I think it's the book where he talks about Scrooge and like the figure of like the old man, like the. The old lonely man always being evil and mm. like the the plight of children and do it for the children being like, you know, these like tropes that we see in the world that right, right, right. really root so much of what we see people going after. That uh-huh, is uh-huh. not not always great. Uh, oftentimes, most times, not great. Not so great. Lee Edelman. <laughs> no future. Gender theory. Brought to you in the first five minutes of your fun-loving podcast, Doctoring the Vampire Slayer. Hooray! So. 
Joyce is so shook up. We see Buffy kind of like be in the mom role here where mm-hmm. she's just like, I'm going to take care of it. Like, I promise I'm going to like figure out who hurt these kids and like you don't have anything to worry about and comforting Joyce. Yeah. And then immediately we cut to her in uh, the library with Giles and she's like, I'm flipping out. Yeah, I love that. Yes, totally. I, yes, I totally. really, yeah, I liked how they really underlined how. The emotional hierarchy of the Summers and Giles dynamic. Totally, right? Buffy takes care of Joyce yeah. and Giles takes care of Buffy. Aww. Who's taking care of Giles? I Cordelia. Don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I love the um, when we first come out of the credits and we go back to the playground. There's this really awesome photography scene. It's like they use the black and white police photos mm-hmm. to sort of establish the kids and the symbols on the kids. And I just right. thought it was like a really nice edit. Very effective. Yeah, very effective. Really made it feel like a crime scene for once. The Sunnydale police are following procedure of yeah, some kind. Yeah, just this one time, just uh, for the kids. And something before we move away from that playground scene with Buffy and uh, Joyce, I just want to call out a quote where Joyce, that Joyce says to Buffy, and we hear this throughout the episode, right? You can't make it right, Joyce Mm. says. Like, you can't make it right. And we'll get into more of what Joyce has to say to Buffy later, but I just want to say that that's like a very, and you see it on Buffy's face. Like, yeah, yeah. A few of the things that Joyce says to her really are pulling out some internal conflicts that she's having. Wait, what do you mean? Uh, what kind of internal conflict do you feel like is playing out on Buffy's face right there? Well, I think that she is, she's wanting to comfort her mom, but she understands that what Joyce is saying is there's a, there's pieces of truth in it that she can't make those kids come back to life. That mm. and, and then later, fine, I'll just get into it right now. Sure. So there's this, like, you know, Joyce is saying later on, you know, you don't have a plan, you just react to things. Basically, like, the, the bad is just going to keep coming. Like, what are you going to do? You're not like, you're not rooting out the evil. You're just fighting the evil. And then, right. and that's why she has this scene with Angel. And I think we'll talk about this more when we get to the scene. But, you know, it's it's just, it's meaningful in that I think Buffy is going through a little bit of a reckoning with this. Not with the mob mentality and the, you know, uh, fighting against, but, you know, burning people at the stake and going through students' lockers and things like that. But I think she's having a little bit of a reckoning with what am I what am I doing? You know, right, and Angel, right. and we'll talk about it when we get there because I want to talk about what Angel says to Buffy and, and all that good stuff. But let's... Sure, sure, sure. now, let's just, we went to the library. We saw the green mug. I You know, we see yeah, it. Yeah. We see it all it's the time mug. now, but I just want to like, it's, it's our favorite it's mug. Nice to see so it. Speaking of our mug, I don't know if you noticed, but we have a new Giles pin that is sold faster than any pin that we have had yeah, yeah. ever. Oh, Randy for Giles, just right, flying, flying off the shelves. Flying off the shelves. Uh, so if you, can, if you did miss that, it's in our it's in our store, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Click on shop, and if there are any left, there will they will be there for you if you two are Randy for Giles. <laughs> um, meanwhile. Meanwhile. Poor, poor Xander. <laughs> wow. On the lunch line. A phrase uttered so infrequently in yeah, this yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know, but he's having such a time. He's uh, just crushed under the weight of his own guilt. And also, I think he's had it with being crushed under the weight of his own, yeah. his own guilt and projecting, you know, whatever. I mean, Oz is a, uh, he's a blanket of new fallen snow. You could project whatever <laughs> you want onto Oz and- 
it can be made very believable. A hundred percent. That's ex- I was going to say you can project whatever you want into Oz, but boy, was I not going to give us that beautiful visual of blanket <laughs> of fallen snow. But right, you, if you if you think Oz is mad at you, it can seem yeah. like Oz is mad at you. Yeah, exactly. If you think Oz is in love with you, totally, you can put that there too. You know? So getting to watch, you know, this uh, interaction between Xander and Oz, where Xander's basically just like flailing all his tentacles everywhere, like not knowing what to say is uh, pretty funny. Yeah, and it's a good episode for Oz and Xander. You know, they have their yeah, own little Yeah, they come arc. together by the they end. They do. They come together and fall right through a ceiling together. Uh, it's it's very endearing. But hey, Amy got a haircut. Amy got a hair. We're going to hear about Amy's haircut yes. in our interview yes. with Elizabeth and Alan very soon. But looking great, goth Amy. That's what I have to say. 100%. Right? Yes. And so Buffy pops up to the table, right, and sits down with everyone. And she's telling them about, like, what happened at the playground. And she's like, my mom, like, she's wigging. And Joyce swoops in and is like, who's wigging? Joyce wigging. You know what I mean? She's like, wigging asking who's wigging. (laughs) Yeah, also, like, she literally only came to school to talk to Buffy. Like, she just... Came yeah, by? she she didn't she wasn't there to spread the word, right? right she already never... called everyone she knows. Yeah, so she was just there to be like, "Did this stuff, honey? I am involved. I am so involved." And we also get the first seedlings of hearing about Willow's mom. You know, when Buffy right. sits down, Willow's like, "You know, it sucks that your mom's getting so involved, but it's nice that your mom is involved. Like your mom would, it, you know, your mom would take the time to go patrolling with you. I know that's an inconvenience, but right, it's right. so sad. And there's also this wonderful moment with Joy." and the witches <laughs> right when she's like I, you know I think it's witches and Willow and it's Amy like, are both like <laughs> everyone on this show knows how to play it cool yeah everybody's doing doing great and then like Buffy is like well let me get Joyce out of here because she's freaking everybody out mm-hmm. they go out into the hallway they're talking and like Joyce is like I told everyone and Buffy's like oh great but actually you know, when we're investigating something, we usually try to keep it on the whatever. And I just like had this extreme moment. I don't know if we talked about this before, but like in that conversation, Buffy's a Rachel. Buffy is a total. Buffy is a Rachel, Rachel. from Friends. Yes. <laughs> Go on. I don't know. Just like her inflection and mannerism oh. and the pausing and like everything that she does, which made me think like in a larger context, is Buffy a Rachel? Wow. Well, I'm a Rachel. I don't even know what a Rachel is. I'm a Rachel Monica hybrid. Um, well, I know about your Monica parts. Yeah. Wow. What's that <laughs> supposed to mean? I just know that Monica likes to be in control of, wow. of factors. Getting that... fucking deep here today <laughs> on Buffering Listen, the Vampire Kristen Slayer. Russo is the master of her own destiny, and she sees what she wants the shape of the world to be, and then she makes it happen. That's true. That is true. You're a very powerful woman. The- <laughs> You all got to hear the way that Jenny gets out of getting in trouble <laughs> uh, live on air. Yeah, what I was trying to say is you're powerful and you look pretty today. Mm, I mean, we know Xander is Chandler. That's all. That's, a that's given. all I know for sure. And we given. don't have to talk about it anymore right, right now. But for those of you who watch the episode after you listen to us, just watch Buffy talking to her mom in that hallway and think about Rachel Green. So, um, boy, Willow's mom doesn't know Buffy's name. Yo, Willow's mom, Sheila. such a bummer. Sheila. Sheila. uh, She is 
I know Sheila's, you know Sheila's in your life? Yeah. Right? Like people who, here's the thing is like Sheila has a lot to say. She has a lot to say. She's very smart. She's very studied. She has opinions about, can we just, can we just go there? Because my favorite Sheila line in the whole damn episode is when she's talking to Willow later on and she says, uh, you know, I didn't want you watching Mr. Rogers because of the patriarchal bias. (laughs) Or Willow says, you didn't want me watching Mr. Rogers because of the patriarchal bias. And Sheila comes back with, well, King Friday was just lording over all of those (laughs) other puppets. And so you like, I have a little soft spot for Sheila. Let's give a patriarchy jingle out to Sheila. The patriarchy. Didn't think that you'd get a jingle, did you, Willow's mom? But you got one for your sweet patriarchal call out. Does (laughs) anybody else remember King Friday as much as I do? I just mostly from watching this episode. I I looked up the picture. Just like hearing it, I was like, I could see the picture of King Friday in my in my mind. Right, you looking at that picture, that the the puppet's a lot freakier than I remember. Yeah, it. I thought I was picturing it a, a yarn kind of puppet. No, but no, it's- very realistic, but also not. Anyway, what I was gonna say about Willow's mom is that she. She knows all this stuff. She knows a lot of science and a lot of facts. And she sort of is like applying that to her parenting, but is just not paying attention to any of what is actually, actually right in, in front, front of, of her. her. Yeah. Right. And so it's really, it's just a bummer. It's It It reminded me too of sometimes like working with people. Out, this is outside of a parenting uh outside of a parenting environment, but working with people who do activism work or who are like in grad school or going to get their doctorates where they're so steeped in the theory that you can't have a conversation with them about like how the theory applies to actual life and that there's no like praxis you mean? Yeah. I taught Jenny this word because it was like my favorite word that I ever learned in grad school was when I was learning about a ton of theory. um, I was really frustrated because I felt like I didn't understand how it applied and I took this one class and my professor talked about praxis, which is like when you apply theory to real life, then it's praxis and it becomes something different. Of course, we none of us can live in the world of theory. I mean, theory is just a bunch of words put together to, to help crack our brains open so we mm-hmm. can like process reality differently. But uh, Willow's mom is stuck in that place. She's just sort of like off in the clouds and is unable to like take what she's learning really important cool stuff like about Uh, like the way her kid is growing up and like like things that her kid is going through like that's all useful information but she's but your kid is in a textbook right which is what willow is trying so desperately and this is heartbreaking like the way that willow is trying to talk to her mom because willow what we see i think a couple of times in this episode is like buffy is like really parenting joyce and we see willow really like parenting i mean parenting her mother in the sense of like she's the one that's saying hey mom i'm right here you normally you wouldn't see that normally you see the parents saying i'm right here what do you want right. to talk about and the kids like screw you don't leave me alone right and willow's not like that anyhow let's go back to the vigil we're really there's yes. i guess we're very excited Sheila about this thinks episode. buffy's <laughs> name is bunny bunny summers <laughs> Which is a great name. Great name. It is a great name. Uh, And a very important moment here at the vigil. Maybe the most important (laughs) of the whole episode. Uh, Mrs. Joyce, first of all, is what Giles calls Joyce because he's so flummoxed. Yeah, yeah, he's having a time. Mrs. Joyce, not since um, and then Sheila, I think, (laughs) says something about there being rumors and 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 he's rumors about rumors. No. Oh, yes. Uh, witches. Yes. Let's discuss. Uh, I think the town motto of Sunnydale is, Sunnydale, we don't play it cool. 
You know, <laughs> I just they, none of them can hold it together. I, I feel like the mayor does a great job of being a yes. believable, uh, compassionate mayor. Yes. Never again, says the mayor. Yep. Never again yep. shall we see anything like this. We'll take action. Very sober. And then. Joyce takes the stage. Ah, and, Joyce. And, and let's play let's play a part of Joyce's speech. I just think it's so I just think it's really great. I think what she says is is, you know, even though it's rooted in something terrible, it's gonna take a terrifying turn. I think we should talk about it. I, I was supposed to lead us in, in a moment of silence, but silence is this town's disease. For too long we, we've been plagued by unnatural evils. This isn't our town anymore. It belongs to the monsters and, and the witches and the slayers. I say it's time for the grown-ups to take Sunnydale back. I say we start by finding the people who did this and making them pay. Right, so here's what I... L- Strong start. Yes. Not going to take a, a moment of silence because silence is this town's disease. Right? Great. Great. Amen, great. Joyce. Joyce, like, that's a great stance. If you take it by itself, if you just carry but you it You know over what's here, not great? No. What? Tell me. Uh, this town isn't ours anymore. It belongs to the monsters and the witches and the slayers. How dare you, Joyce? Right? How dare you? How many times has Buffy saved... Your life. Yeah, yeah. Joyce goes real. I mean, that was, we we tweeted out about the fact that we were recording this episode and so many of you said like, I'm just upset that Joyce turns so, like it's, she turns such a hard corner, but it's underlining what we talked about at the beginning of the episode is just like this mob mentality and how when you infuse people's fears and like Joyce is a mother and, and right. before, like before Hansel and Gretel circa 1649 start telling her to do things, the catalyst for her is seeing those children in the playground that they have died. Right, right, and, right. And I mean, that would affect anyone, but this is playing on Joyce's fears. We've seen how afraid Joyce is of Buffy dying, of yeah, losing yeah. her child. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things that are informing her. And so she feels that the best thing that she can do, and you kind of, like, I kind of have an understanding at this point in the episode of what she's doing. She's saying, screw this, just what you were talking about me being a Monica. You know, she's saying, like, I have to do this. Nobody else is going to do it. And people are dying and I need to get involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She shouldn't have gotten involved. But I get <laughs> regrettable. I get why I get like at this at this juncture, I get why she is saying doing the things that she's doing and feeling like it's so important that she say the things that she's saying. Yeah. Also, I feel like the show wouldn't be doing its job if we didn't see uh, Joyce turn on Buffy at least one time. Right. Totally. And well, this is time number two, at least, that Joyce has turned on Buffy. I mean, she threw her out of the damn house at the end of last season. Right. So right. We've seen. Right. I mean, let us never forget. Let's. Tr- <laughs> so then we are made to believe and feel that something evil is going on, and uh, first we see. Who's this goth guy in black lipstick? And then, oh my God, he's with Amy. And then, oh my God, it's Willow. And they're all wearing black robes and casting spells with lots of bones laying around. (laughs) And the 
symbol that was on the children's <laughs> hand is in the middle of them. It's huge on the floor. Huge. Whose floor is that? I know. Who's going to really, clean that up? It's really beautifully done, I think. They did a great yeah, job on the symbol. But right, gasp. And then I'm sure we cut to commercial if we're watching in the yeah. 90s. Yes, yes, yes. But, but instead of cutting to commercial, <laughs> we've met Michael, haven't we? Michael yeah. looking great in that black lipstick. Must and I think, I think now we should cut. To Kate Laugh. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy Fashion Update. Welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch. Let me preface this by saying this is not a great episode for fashion. It's a great episode for, you know, weird dead demon children and an exploration of mob mentality, but there's not a lot going on outside of Willow's red overalls and Cordelia's faux fur necked sweater, which is pretty choice. So I want to take a moment to talk about my favorite character in this episode. Michael. Sunnydale High's only goth. He shows up for a minute, but what a minute it is. From his box-dyed black hair to his well-blended eyeliner, despite what anyone says, he's the star of the show for me. And he's rocking a look a lot of people have trouble with. Black lipstick. So I thought I'd take a second to talk about how to achieve this oft-imitated but challenging makeup look. Wow! If your lips are chapped, try a lip scrub first. Black lipstick or any dark lipstick is going to accentuate that. So give that a shot, wipe it off, and then put on a non-greasy lip balm like Burt's Bees and blot off any extra with a tissue. Next step is one you may have to try a few times before you nail it, which is lip liner. With dark lipsticks, I highly recommend liner. You don't need it, but it keeps your lipstick from spreading and makes it look just a little bit more professional. If you can't find a black lip liner, although NYX has one for about four bucks that I really like, that's NYX, they're great. You can use a black pencil eyeliner. Just make sure to sharpen it and wipe it with a makeup remover or alcohol before and after so you don't spread germs between your eyes and mouth. That's gross. When you finish, apply your black lipstick. I like to use a lip brush for control over the application, but it's not necessary. When your first coat is on, blot again with a tissue and then apply another. The last step, which is optional, but recommended, is to dust on a setting powder to really lock in that color and keep it from smudging. I use a Ben Nye powder I got for Halloween makeup, but everyone from MAC to Neutrogena sells them. They're really useful too if you find yourself getting sweaty throughout the day or you use cream makeup. Just a tip. Another hot tip for this and any lip color is to put your thumb between your lips and press down, then pull it out and wipe it off with a tissue. Sounds perverted, but I swear, there's a point. It actually takes off all the lipstick on the inside of your lip, which is what keeps it from getting on your teeth. I do this all the time and it really works. Once you have all that done, voila, you're rocking a next level goth look, which I feel everybody should try even once, no matter what your skin tone or your fashion sense. It's really fun and it makes you feel a little more daring for a while. If you are going to wear it, bring your lipstick and your liner with you outside. Don't try to eat chicken wings. Trust me on this one. Until next time, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Kate Leth, God bless us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> uh, well, it's always just an inspiration, really. I learned so much. Yeah, Jenny is about I, to when leave we and first go listened. Apply. Oh my God, when we first listened to this edition of Buffy Fashion Watch, starring Kate Leth, Kristen and I were like sitting in different parts of the room. And um, texting Kate while we were listening to it. And we realized that that uh, we individually like put our thumbs into our, our mouths and like pressed our lips down like she instructs you to do separately, not looking at each other. We were both just like testing it out like, oh, interesting. <laughs> it was very effective. 
effective. So what we're saying is Kate Lev got both of us to suck our thumbs. That's what happened. <laughs> She's tricking us. She's tricking us <laughs> yeah. all. And that was totally the first time that's happened. <laughs> so thank you, Kate, for that beautiful lipstick mm. lesson. Yes. So, right. So we come out and we go to school and we see now bully, the bullies are, are, the parenting is trickling down. The trickle down effect is happening. Parents are telling their kids, witches are the reason for all of this shit. And the kids are going to school and they're like, I know who the fucking witches are. They're the kids in black lipstick. Of course. Sure. Of course. We're always so identifiable. You know, (laughs) why do we do that? (laughs) I say as a former goth Mm. teen. Who also was a witch. Uh-huh. I was. I no, was I know, talked I know, about it. I Have I talked about it on the podcast? Uh, certainly, yes. Yes, I practiced Wicca. I could also call on the uh, elements. Did you float any pencils? I, I could never float a pencil, but watching Willow, I'm like, maybe I didn't take that shit far enough, you mm. know? Because I do believe I carry within me the power to do those things. You certainly carry a great deal of power within you. I think I could make a pencil spin, but then I get scared of it. My thing was that I always got scared of it, you know? Like, right, right. As I would feel like energy I would be like nah I don't think so never mind I would like tap dance out of the room (laughs) no thank you witchcraft Uh, so so the bullies are after Michael and Amy stands up for Michael and the bullies and like dude's like you're next right Get he doesn't in my even face, fucking has it. I think Amy thought she was gonna play the I'm a girl card right right and the bully was like oh yeah <laughs> fucking yeah, the, the patriarchy no recedes d- into the background yeah. witches have no gender here is yeah, basically yeah. what the bully said and then Buffy I love this moment so great because. We don't really see how Buffy relates to the rest of the school very Most of the often. Time. Yeah, you know, yeah. we've we've seen her defend people here and there, but like, has the rumor gotten out? And it's confirmed in this scene that yes, it has. <laughs> the rumor has fucking gotten out. She doesn't lift a finger. She just fucking like leans over and mm. looks at this guy, mm. and he's like, "We were just leaving. <laughs> no problem here. <laughs> right. This is great." Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So Cordelia has a warning for Buffy, uh, kind of. She's like, uh, (laughs) stay away from the witches because you'll, you know, have no rest if you're watching their backs because people are coming for them. Right. That's what happens when you hang out with losers. That was a pointed comment. Yeah, believe me, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which also, we should say, is mean. It's very mean, but it's also very funny. It's so funny because it's really, Cordelia I mean, has a great episode this episode. The, <laughs> the, the uh, doubling back, du- doubling back, doubling down to say, 
just so you know I'm insulting you. Right, right, because Buffy's, like, not affected by it enough for Cordelia's (laughs) liking. (laughs) So then we go, and Xander and and, uh, Buffy have this conversation about illicit smooches. Who cares? I mean, sorry, (laughs) I just didn't care. Whatever, I get it. We're progressing along a plot line, but uh, I would like to get to the part where Buffy uncovers (laughs) the symbol... In Willow's notebook. Right, in Willow's notebook. And Willow doesn't know to be worried because Willow's not doing anything wrong. Yeah, yeah, And Willow has this great line, which let's let's play Willow's line here. What is this? A doodle. I do doodle. You too. You do doodle too. I'm sorry. What was that? I do doodle. I doodle. I do do doodle doodle. (laughs) You can doodle too, doodle. A doodle doodle do. Kristen. It's good. That is not what she said. said. So, Buffy's suspicions are peaked, but she doesn't have time to get into it because, oh my God, it's a locker search. Yeah, yo, this is fucked up. Did this ever happen at your school for uh, any Yeah, reason? yeah. We had, I mean, it didn't happen like this where they searched everyone's locker. They would just go into a specific yeah, person's were locker. Yeah, there were like- Is that better or worse? Well, it was always like somebody said somebody brought a gun to school and then they would- It was always that? That happened like a lot? Well, it didn't happen a lot. I mean, I remember it happened. Like, I think I just remember it happened. It happened more than one time. Right, right. Uh, And then they would like search that student's locker. P.S. They never never found any guns as far as I know. It was always like- People would like talk. Talk, right. Yeah, they would like talk and that was like the protocol. So they would go into the lockers, which I feel like is a a legitimate reason to maybe open a locker. You know, I I, I I think if there's any reason, that would be one. I mean, you shouldn't. Buffy makes a point about like lockers and privacy and whatever. Right. Which, okay. But by her logic, you should be able to like keep a gun in your locker if you feel, you know what I mean? Well, like, well, I think that right, fine. But I think that what what she's saying, and that's why I even hesitated about like, I guess that's a legitimate reason to search a locker because you know people could be in danger. But that's essentially what the the reasoning is for this locker search is like they feel people are in danger from witches, from witches to different right. situation, but still. And I think Buffy's point. I mean, Snyder has this. Yes, Jenny. I sorry. I just want to be very clear, like. I don't want to be surveilled. I don't want to be searched. I don't want anybody in my business. Right. At all. I'm not saying like, uh, this feels fine. I'm just saying, don't be an idiot and take something to school that you very clearly should not have. Right. There. Which does not include herbs, which you should be able to have. Yeah, you should be able to have some sage locker. in your locker, you freak. But it is like, you know, Snyder has this comment where he's like, you know, glorious day for principals everywhere. Ugh. No whining about students' rights. Ugh. And Buffy later on to Joyce says, like, the first fucking syllable in this word is lock. Like, and it really pulls out a, a larger problem which is how we disrespect the privacy of young people that mm. like we tell them like you you know you have to grow up and become an adult but then at the same token there's really lines are lines are crossed when it comes to high school students middle school students uh, young people in general that would not be crossed in the way that they are if it were an office building and, you know, a, a group of adults. There's really right. a power play here of like, we're the grownups and you're the kids. So even though we told you this is your locker and your property, it's not. And that's fucked up. Do you remember like in high school, like having a perception that like eventually you would be an adult and in a position of power? Yeah. And then and now I realize that was a lie. I I will never (laughs) feel like an adult at all. I will always feel like I am in high school 
You know what I mean? Yes. Like, uh, it just feels the same. It's just that now I have to pay bills. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, they take Amy. They take Amy and then they take Willow. But before they take Willow, we find out that Cordelia uses imported $45 hairspray. What did you think she used? Yeah, you're right. I, I, who would ever see Cordelia at a CVS? I know, never. But tisk, also, tisk. the police... Um, confiscated a huge bunch of garlic. Garlic? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they the don't... most precious of all spices, herbs. <laughs> really? Is that your Vegetable. declaration or just what? a general Is opinion it? in the spice It's just community? a very important <laughs> piece of produce and how dare you, sir? How yeah. They're taking everything that's not a school book, I think. You know, not a pencil which, or a school book. Right, which leads us directly into the next scene where, listen, yeah. Giles, I told you. <laughs> I told you. The public school library is absolutely no place for books about blood rights. <laughs> it really is not how you fool. You should have seen it coming. This is so many things happen in this but room. Jenny, and I understand to. it's for the sake of convenience and whatever. But we're always having meetings in the library at because night when vampires students, can bust in. Students, they have to like there has to be a central location that they can justifiably be. They can't just always be going to Giles's house because I know, fucking I know, the, the I people know, would be suspicious. No, but it's also not Giles's fault. It's the police's fault. Down with the police, <laughs> up with the librarians. That's what Look, I say. I am all for up with Giles. Uh one hundred percent. Uh I'm just saying, like Maybe not the best move. Right. Fine. But you know what? Out Jenny, in the open. Like, I, all that's left is the dictionary and my friend Flicka I agree. I, uh, right. My friend Flicka. Empty. A book we looked up. It's about a book about a horse. So, but here's the thing. You're, you're making a lot of points, but you're, like, playing devil's advocate. And I feel like, at the end of the day, our podcast stance is that fuck censorship and fuck raiding people's lockers and fuck all that shit. And I know 100%. You, I know you feel that way, but you keep of being like, I but I told you, Giles, maybe you shouldn't have had the books there. And you're like, but it's school, so you shouldn't trust anybody to put over the better <laughs> locker. And I'm just saying, watch it, Jennifer. I'm just saying, Big Brother is watching you. Make smarter choices. God. Well, protect your book collection. Speaking of Big Brother, in walks Snyder. Oh, my God. Ann Walk Snyder on this line that Jenny that Jenny and I could not understand what Giles was saying, and so we had to look it up. And he says, "Twisted little homunculus." Yes. Then we looked it up, and it's it's it comes from what do you call it? Apothe- apothecary. Uh huh. Apothecary. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like in in apothecarian times uh, no <laughs> and this is great guys in, in when you practiced apothecary in the olden days they would paint pictures of tiny like just like little pictures of people on the bottles and so this lure came up around it of these small bottle-sized people miniature human homunculuses beings. so this is like a fucking librarian dig and a half yeah. This is this is one of those digs that doesn't you don't even know is a dig. Yeah, like, yeah. What did you just sneeze? I don't I don't even well, recognize the word you, you just said, so yeah. I won't be able to remember it to look it up to see if you insulted me or not. But then, guys, then Snyder says to Giles, 
so fierce. He like, <laughs> he like fucking literally should have like a hanky. Like he's like holding a hanky to his chest. So fierce, librarian. So fierce, Mr. Giles. I gave them, I put them in the running for a second. Well, they're award nominated, for this, noted. For the scene. <laughs> and then, of course, on his way out, Snyder drops the bomb that uh, there's a new organization in town calling the shots. They're called. Moo. Moo. Mothers opposed to the occult. Fucking moo. And Buffy's like, what fucking jack wagon came up with that acronym? And Snyder's like, your mom. Your mom. <laughs> oh, no. Joyce, too uh, involved. Right. So too involved. involved. Joyce is busy hanging up all of her posters of dead children around her house. <laughs> Before we go there, we go to Willow's. And this is the scene we've already sort of talked about here, but it's just like, so it's such a bummer. I drew a sad, I got a sad emoticon from me in my notes. Oh. Because it's just sad to see how disaffected her mom is about like any of the emotions that she's feeling. I'm not an age group. I'm 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 the Willow group. Yeah. So uh, Willow's parents are both therapists, right? I, I believe the that's the, yeah, I believe Must that's the Must be tough deal. to have therapists for parents. Well, I guess it's either tough or like really great or like maybe great and tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that people can be therapists and still and be, be human people. beings. You know, I, yeah. I have a feeling those two things can overlap. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, I mean, I would I would want for Willow to have a wonderful home life. But the one good thing that comes out of her mom being totally disaffected is her t- going on this "I'm a rebel" rant. Uh, come fill me with your black naughty evil (laughs) she says uh, she she has like this whole big uh, wonderful monologue and one of the best parts I think Mm -hmm. do you know what it is Jenny? Yes I think I do tell us well she's uh, listing all the things that she is and can do Mm -hmm. she's I'm a rebel I'm having a rebellion I'm a witch I can make pencils float I can summon the four elements well two but I'm working on it and soon it'll be four (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm dating a musician, which is the only part that gets a response from Sheila Rosenberg. Oh, which Willow. Is, oh, Willow. <laughs> like, you're just saying things to hurt me now. Right. Oh, How good. dare you, Sheila? Wow. My, you know what? What? My three-word review of this entire episode Ooh. is, how dare you? <laughs> I thought it was going to be four. How dare you, Sheila? No, because it's not just limited yes, to Sheila. Not. I'm like, how dare you, everyone? Yes. Ah, so speaking of how dare you, here we are with Joyce getting called out by Buffy on her fucking choice of acronym, which is an acronym hilarious. (laughs) But also like, what the fuck, mom? We need those books to find the fucking people or beings responsible for the death of these children you claim to be so concerned about. How could you take away our resources? And then then we learn, then we learn that Joyce is not just going off the deep end here. Joyce is being spoken to by evil babies. <laughs> Creepy dead children. Yo, hanging kids. around in the house. Ooh, a lot of powder on their faces. Yeah, they great are job. Creepy. Great job being total creeps. And then they have this whole conversation where Joyce is like, evil, you know, pops up, but like, and then you undo it. But like, are you really making Sunnydale better? Like, you defeat evil and then there's more evil so right. like you know you just you, you're not uh, as effective as maybe what she thinks Moo is going to be right. by burning all the books right and this is what we were talking about earlier which gets us to the next scene at Drew's this used to be Drew's playground that's the full title of the playground not Drew's yes. playground it's the title of the playground as this used to be Drew's playground <laughs> 
One thing about being 243 years old is that maybe you've gained some greater perspective on the never-ending cycles of human existence, right? And uh, things that matter and don't matter. And what Angel's able to bring to Buffy in this moment where she's feeling like, what am I even doing with my life? He's able to say, yeah, evil never goes away. But we fight because we have to. Like, we don't fight to, like, be done fighting. Right. We fight because there are things worth fighting for, which I think is, like, really impactful and, and definitely... What Buffy needs to hear in the moment. What Buffy needs to hear and what we all need to hear, right? Mm, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It's just so, this this show is timely, I'm sure, no matter when you watch it. But it's very timely right now. And I think it's important, right? We're not, we can never rid all of the bad from the world, which is what Joyce is suggesting Moo can do. Right, right. I mean, I mean Moo can really get him like that. You <laughs> might clear a room pretty quick of yeah. evil. Uh, but, but the idea that, we always have to keep fighting. I mean, Angel quotes our song, right, in this episode. Right. You He's have to a big just... fan of our podcast. He so. loves it. Angel loves buffering the vampire slayer. He's like, just keep fighting by his fireplace. He's, <laughs> He's got his fucking vamp headphones in. <laughs> yes. Yes, right? he does. Right? Um, yes. Also, I feel like we're led to believe by the beginning of this scene that Buffy and Angel just ran into each other at yeah. the playground. And then they have this exchange. <laughs> I didn't. Didn't know I'd see you here. And then they have this this little thing where uh, Angel says, oh, I've heard about this. People are talking. People are even talking yeah. to me. Which I really liked because it made me think about, like, every time in my per- – like, every time since I've been alive, like, and something awful has happened. Right. Uh, something, you know, either local or global that has been, you know, a catastrophe of some kind – the way that people start talking to each other, that's like so different from the way that we interact with each other on a when it's just a regular right. day, when there's something terrible that we can all look at and say, oh, God, that's just like, that's that's just the worst. That's like breaking my heart when we're able to connect with other people mm-hmm. in those instances. I think like, I mean, obviously it's terrible when terrible things happen, but being able to to like being in those situations yeah. and connecting with people on that level in the wake of of tragedy is like very it's a very unique experience. Yeah, gosh, that is so much more in depth and wonderfully put than my note which was people are talking, where were you angel? <laughs> Buffy, she even grabbed the brim of her baseball cap and like sort of 
doffed it a little bit. Uh, it was just, great. Like, I mean, really truthfully, I just like that this was a call out to the fact that like the word dyke is a thing. And and I think the work I think that that word is is a bit controversial, right? Like that uh, some people use it for themselves. Oh, you mean D-Y-K-E. Yeah, that's why Buffy responds the way she right, that's right, the right, whole... right, right, right. I thought you were saying the word D I K E. Yeah, very, like, controversial. very controversial. Uh, uh, water conservation. <laughs> Damn, and no, I just think that like that's a word that that I think you and I say pretty comfortably um, because we're within a community uh, and we're used to hearing people affirmingly refer to themselves as dykes. We go to the Dyke March. We see dykes on bikes, lead the parade up. Yeah. You know, we we like we like the word. The word it feels good to us, but um, it's it's a word that's also rooted uh, similarly to queer. You know, it had like a derogatory meaning to it historically. Uh, yeah, historically. So th- that's I think why it jars Buffy. But you know, we will never know how deeply that jar went, will we? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so then <laughs> Giles is trying to use a computer. Giles is trying to use a computer. Giles is trying to use a computer and he can't do it. Oh, because Jenny Calendar isn't there to help him. Because Jenny Calendar isn't there to help him. And also computers are a stupid, useless fad. Yes, as I we all said know. it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Xander has what may be my favorite Xander joke to date. Yes. Right? Oh, you're in the frisky watchers chat room, <laughs> Giles. Great joke, Xander. <laughs> Fucking A plus, A plus, man. Great, great, great. And then Buffy pops in because she just was with Angel, and he was like, "Ooh, their parents." And she's like, "Their parents? That gives me an idea." Yes. And we realize nobody knows anything about these kids. And that's how we learn about this whole Hansel and Gretel thing. And I just think this is really fucking cool. Like, I loved the looping in of a fairy tale that we all know. Yes. As the through line of this story, it's just really. I just thought, like, yeah, that it's just nicely yes. done. Oh my gosh. I, that is like one of my favorite things when a when a, a piece of media I already enjoy yes uh, incorporates something else I know like that's like in my DNA story wise and like re- you know looks at it from another angle so awesome if you are into this kind of thing let me just take a moment just one moment to recommend Neil Gaiman's Sandman series in which that is done so masterfully so many times with like so many different stories throughout history so well he's so good at everything i love him and it's a great comic and if you've never read it and you like stories that look at other stories wow you might enjoy it okay thank you for listening (laughs) that was not an ad but greatly but just a great genuine enthusiasm yes i love neil gaiman i it was i couldn't read sandman i'm sorry i couldn't do it neither could chris farron call out i (laughs) accept that and I love you and I celebrate. I just didn't your understand interests. what was going on. You need to get me right at the beginning, and I'm I'm an impatient I'm an impatient person. It's it's not great. It's not great. You know what? Fucking Monica, just back to Monica. So 100, percent I have that brick laptop that Willow is using. Me too. Like the way she picks it up gave it's me like, memories. <laughs> She's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. You have to like plant, and you're like, and lift with your legs. <laughs> And you're like, this is so convenient. Oh, (laughs) 
you know? Like, I think that most people who are, like, kids of the 90s have, like, fucked up shoulders from the backpacks that we would carry. Oh, my God. And so... you had to wear it on one shoulder. Yes. To be cool. So, to be cool. Ugh. So. Also, shout out to Sheila for calling it a cyber coven. Cyber coven. Cyber Your coven. And she locks Willow in the room. This is when shit starts to get oh, really. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I just have to let you go with love. Yeah. This is when Bleh. shit starts to really get scary, right? Michael runs into the library. He's all beat up. Like, this mm-hmm. is when, like, it, it really, it starts to get dark. And uh, in our Twitter comments, I think it was Cole, actually, who tweeted at us something about the fact that, like, this show, like, the fact that this episode is having parents turn against their children for being different, when we've already kind of seen that difference aligned with queerness, right, is super upsetting. And yeah. that, you know, it is. I mean, things like, they, they refer to Salem in this and the witch hunts and all this stuff. Like, there is a through line to all of these things. It's something different than you. It's something you don't understand. And so you want it to go away. You don't want to converse with it. You don't want to engage with it. And you don't want to understand it. You just want to snuff it out. And that's really scary. And and the, the real part of this episode, I think that, like, gives us all the, don't. it's a little too close to oh real God. Right, like, happened. they just, like, want to make Sunnydale great again. Oh. Oh, God. Sorry. Wash your mouth out. I got it. We're going to bleep right through that. <laughs> the whole thing. It's just going to be great again. Nope, not even that. Just nope. all the way through. Um, so adding fuel to the figurative and soon to be literal fire, Willow's mom, I said to get your coat, witch. <laughs> right? Then the we worst. go to the fucking yeah. Summer's house and this fucking Joyce with the chloroform. Okay, okay. So, yes, it's terrible, but is it worth it because then the kids are on the stairs, like, holding the little bottle of clearly hugely labeled chloroform right. so that we can read it on the banister? And is the bottle floating? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, what? Like, How exactly the metaphysics of this is scenario? Is uh, real chloroform or is it powered entirely by belief? Metaphysical chloroform? Yeah, 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 yeah. Metaform? Metaform? Um, there's something that was really like, I just had an interesting moment with this scene too, because Buffy is about to pass out or whatever you want to call it. Also, ding, 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 knockout. We wouldn't have counted this as a knockout for Giles, but uh, Cordelia straight up calls it a knockout. Yeah. So we're so counting anytime it. Giles gets unconscious. Yeah. Or at least if it's called a knockout and called out that he gets knocked out yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. Which is which happens in this episode. Um, but yeah, Buffy has this moment as she's about to kind of like, she's like fluttering her eyes. She's in this twilight state. And she see it seems like she sees the kids. Because yeah. they're going in and out of focus right. as she passes out. And so I just wondered if it was like supposed to point to the fact that like she, you know what I mean? That maybe yeah. her unconsciousness... I don't know. I just right. It's unclear, but it does seem unclear. to possibly be suggesting something. Um. Right. And so then, where do we go, Jenny? Cordelia slapping the shit out of. Giles. Oh my god! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! <laughs> Cordelia, let's. She's gonna do a lot of amazing things, and so I'm just gonna cut this off at the chase. But ding! That's not even the saying. Cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. So that's what it is. I'll say it again better. Okay. Okay. I just want to cut to the chase. Get it? Ha! And give her her jingle. We have not heard the Cordelia jingle in a minute. Cordelia. 
great job. One of one of a, a great Cordelia line comes right in this moment. One of these days, Giles, you're gonna wake up in a coma. I and mean, she might be right. He's like, wake up in a goddamn it, just get out of the car. <laughs> I love how she's like, it took you so long to wake up. My hand hurts from slapping you. Uh, Joyce and Sheila. So, do you have any? <laughs> do you have any sexual tension contenders, Jenny? Uh, I really don't. Because my mine is between. I think it's between th- three. Mm. So let's let's figure it out here. Okay. Joyce and Sheila. Have a fucking moment. We go to the we go to City Hall. Everybody's on fire. And Joyce and Sheila in the in the burning in the burning <laughs> city hall. Actually Just they're leaning down to uh, apply a torch to some of the books piled at their daughter's feet. Yes, and uh one of our listeners, Lewis Noble, wrote to us to say, I love that they try to burn the witches inside of City Hall. Yeah, what? Which is a great call. What are you doing, Moo? Anyhow, yeah. Anyhow, uh, Joyce and Sheila have this moment where they're like, "So we should uh, hang out Get after some lunch." This. I'm just saying, like, Pat's gone. Stay in touch. And uh, Joyce and Sheila have a moment. Wow. So my contenders are Joyce and Sheila, Giles and Snyder, Giles and Snyder, or Giles and Joyce. That would have been my like intuitive pick, mm-hmm. you know. But it's also like less tension and more just like awkward fumbling, Fum- fumbling, right? So so then who are you going to give it to, Jenny? Or should we play the jingle while you think? Yes. All right, all right, all right, all right. Now that I've had some time to reflect, yes. I am ready to award the trophy. Yes. To Joyce and Sheila. Joyce and Sheila. What Sheila made the choice for Joyce. you? don't like the idea of Snyder getting a trophy. Oh, poor Snyder. Maybe if he got a damn trophy, he'd be a little nicer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, Joyce and Sheila taking it. Congratulations, taking ladies. It. Congratulations. Joyce Joyce has won uh, a tension award with Pat, and now Sheila. Joyce is doing a great job. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So you know who's not winning any sexual tension awards who? probably with anybody in the near future? Who? Poor, sweet, gentle Amy, who is now a rat. Do you think that poor, sweet, and gentle are the ways to describe Amy? Well, now that she's a rat. I mean, okay, here's the thing. Amy is a badass witch. Like, she literally, I mean, I don't know if she meant to turn herself. I don't think she meant to turn herself into a rat. Do you think she meant to turn herself into a rat? Oh, you think she meant to to turn somebody else into a rat? I do, because the, the spell that she did was like, Take the like it was like take the thing that is unclean and I feel like she was trying to spell the people that were bad but it before the let the unclean thing crawl right make a person into a rat but it's like even if she turned all of them into rats she'd still be tied to a stake That's on a top great of burning point books. so maybe uh, I don't I know I think she did it she, on she, purpose she did it on purpose okay well you know what you know what would really benefit us here is a conversation. <gasps> With fucking Elizabeth and Alan. Right? That would be helpful. Who fucking plays Amy? You just can't stop cussing I'm when just it's time so to talk excited. about Elizabeth like, and Alan. I've been so excited about getting to speak to many people, but like we just had such a wonderful conversation yes. with Elizabeth, and I love the character of Amy. I just think she has an incredible storyline in the show. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And so we're going to speak with her, and this is uh, spoiler-free. This is just a conversation with uh, Elizabeth 
through this episode. So perhaps we'll have her back later on if there's more with Amy. Yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, let's go to let's go to this interview. Yes. Thank you so much. We are so excited and our listeners are so excited to have you on the podcast. It's very exciting. We've seen Amy in three episodes so far, and we know we're going to see you in more, but we thought we would focus on the places that we've seen you already uh, and start kind of at the beginning, if you don't mind telling us how you wound up on Buffy and what the audition process was like. Well, I originally auditioned for the role of Buffy, and so... I was brought in to meet Joss and I loved him. He was great. And he decided to test me at the network level. So I actually tested against Sarah for the role of Buffy. Oh my gosh. Was it just the two of you? Like, was it at that point when you, at that point it was just the two of us. So, um, it was exciting. And obviously we know how it went. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, that's how I sort of, that's how I got the role originally. Wow, that's incredible. What was that like? Like what when you go to a network level and you're testing against somebody, were you like reading were you reading with people that were already cast on the show or how does that work? Oh my goodness. Um no, generally you read with the casting director and there are 30 to 40 people in the room staring at you while you Oh do- god. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's not stressful at all. No, no, no that yeah. sounds not at all. Easy peasy. Yeah. Sounds very calm. Yeah, I was very calm. So so this happened. You did this audition for Buffy. And then how did Amy come about? Like, were you were you called back in for Amy? Or did Amy was Amy already written into um, the first season? And you knew right off the bat that you were um, going to be Amy? Actually, I was called back in to audition for a new character. And um, it was for a director who I'd worked for before. And he didn't feel like I could be mean. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted to see me be mean. So obviously I I proved that I could be mean. And uh, I got that. I got the role. Yeah, we uh, you uh, you proved yourselves to all of us who watched the show as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it is really awesome that in your very first episode, you essentially get to play two very different people. In terms of preparation for that, I mean, obviously you had to prove that you could be mean to the director, <laughs> but did you approach the role in your preparation differently or did you do anything special to sort of like hone in on that duality? Well, yes. You know, um, my mother was played by a woman named Robin Riker and yes. she was super awesome. And the two of us sat there And we decided that we would study each other's mannerisms and pick a few of each other's mannerisms to incorporate into the character. Because she was me and I was her. You know, I mean, we we both both the roles. And so we picked a couple and we just went with those. Okay, when I'm mom, I'm doing this and you're doing that. When you're (laughs) Amy, Uh, I'm doing this and you're doing that. So that was kind of fun because we got to collaborate on that. Oh, that's so amazing. So did you both like you sort of sat together and thought of that on your own? You were like, this is how we're going to collaboratively prepare for these roles. Yes. Well, I, you know, I wanted to sort of, I was watching her and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I kind of wanted to pick up. (laughs) And she's like, well, you know, I was thinking about that. And so we just started collaborating on it and it translated, you know, you got 
you got that? Yeah, it's deeply effective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, so talk to us uh, again in which about cheerleading. I'm curious oh. to know, you know, we saw you, we went back to make sure because it's been a minute since we watched Witch and we were like, I'm pretty sure that there are some serious cheerleading moves happening. So did, were those uh, pre-existing cheerleading knowledge for you or did you have to learn some cheerleading moves for this episode? I, uh, I was a cheerleader back in the day. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was, <laughs> but there was no athleticism to the cheering back then. You know, it was just a lot of clapping. And, um, when I had to get up on a pyramid, I thought, holy cow. What have I yes. Myself? Yes. yes. Uh, but no, they did. A, we did a lot of training and we did some practice on set for, for the cheerleading. Oh, right. Cause you have to not only get up on top of the pyramid, but you also had to kind of fall. Yes. Well, yes. And I had to learn the cheers. I had to do some of the dances and some of the cheers. <laughs> yes. Yes. So great. What you do for your craft, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when you, when you were called back and which happened, um, was that, did they call you back in for like a one-off episode or that you knew coming into which that Amy was going to have a longer arc? Honestly, I just assumed it was a one-off. I just mm -hmm. thought that was really nice of them to bring me back and uh, good to see all of them again. And I, I didn't expect more than that. Uh, well, then we were happy to ha to see you again in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. So was uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, I mean, gosh, there's something so fun in every episode of the series, I think. But uh, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered is so fun. And there are a couple of questions we have specifically about it. One, your eyes, I mean, turned completely black. And I'm wondering if it was, did you, or were you wearing contacts? How did that happen? They fit you with contacts. They're not super comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> right. They must be very large content because it's like almost your whole eye. They're huge. They're huge. And there's a, you know, they have somebody who just deals with your contacts. Oh, just like a contact yeah. specialist on yes. set. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Just somebody who puts in the contacts. Yeah, so wow. They do. They cover all of your eye. Wow. wow. And so do you, does, is the world then shaded? That's a good, I don't even remember that. I don't remember them being shaded. I think it was a one way. Like I could see out. but uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I remember I once had a fake ID. Don't tell anybody, but I, my, <laughs> but I had, um, I really took it to the extreme and I had colored contacts. They obviously weren't, uh, right. like huge and all black, but you know, the, they were brown and my eyes are blue and it wasn't like if the contact moved, I could you know right. what I mean? Like, right, right. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad our, our conversation brought up my uh, legal activities as a young person. <laughs> <laughs> really, fake ideas. No. Right, right. Really going into the <laughs> 90s in many yeah. angles. Okay. <laughs> So tell us to, you might have more stories about this episode, but one thing in particular that we thought was so fun was the, these scenes where like all of the women are chasing down Xander with various weapons and all this stuff. And so we're wondering if you have memories from that specifically. I have to tell you, my favorite scene is when he is walking down the hall to that song, Got the Love. Got yes. The yes. Everything's in slow-mo. <laughs> <laughs> The look on everybody's face. I, I just, I thought that was hysterical. I just love that scene. It just was perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of some other one. The, the scene in the library was a lot of fun too. Oh, that like where you go, where you go full postal on. Oh uh... yeah. You know, it was fun <laughs> you know, to turn Buffy into a rat. That's your very first rat transformation. Human yeah. To rat transformation. Right. Obviously I have a rat thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's becoming, I, I, I feel like, I don't know if you feel honored that like in the emojis now there's a rat. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of representation for Amy and Amy's building. I appreciate the rat. <laughs> I have a newfound love for the rat after Amy. <laughs> but did we, did we perhaps read somewhere that you are allergic to cheese in real life? In real life, I am. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Isn't it? Right? It is terrible. And it's also totally insane that two people, you know, hundreds of miles away from you would be able to glean a random fact like you are allergic to cheese. You know, like what kind of world do we live in? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about gingerbread. That is the episode that we're talking about today. Yes, in gingerbread, there's this very memorable scene where Buffy, Willow, and Amy are all tied up and they're about to be burned at the stake by their own parents. And once they start setting stuff on fire, what's the deal? Is that actual fire? Are we seeing any real fire? Or is that all like fire that was added in post? No, there's some actual fire. Some of it's you know in post, but there where it's actual fire. Tell us about that scene. It was, uh, you know, they had fun with it. They, it was actually filmed on my birthday. <laughs> oh my gosh. So when they lit the us on fire, <laughs> they actually sang me happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they thought that was funny. That's, this is, this was on set. Yes, this was how we, we acted on set. Wow, that's incredible. I will never watch that scene the same and way again. I will always hear happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so tell us, let's go back to the rat for a second. Uh, okay. First of all, what are your feelings on rats in general? Do you like, are you a fan of rats? Did this change your feeling about rats at all? I have to tell you, I wasn't a fan prior to, but I met myself. Um, I, got, <laughs> I got to meet rat Amy. So um, she wasn't bad. She was, she was very sweet. So I felt, I felt like it was a good representative and Aww. I was okay with it. That's amazing. Was she she was studying your behaviors like you had studied <laughs> Robin Rikers. Robin Rikers behaviors. <laughs> it was a big collaboration. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Was there a rat handler who came in with her rat and yes, we met. Wow. My gosh. You I feel like your role had the most like niche. You're like there was a contact handler, there was like a fire <laughs> handler, a rat handler. Like there's like a million different um special people on set for your arc yeah. in the show. Was there just one rat, Amy? There was just one rat that did all the scenes? I can't speak to that. Or I, or, I mean, I, I guess the one rat. So I'm right. assuming it was the same rat, but you know, Right. In I future. Life, I think the lifespan of a rat. I'm, and <laughs> Oh, no. R.I.P. Rat Amy. One rat would have made it that long. Right, right. But in that episode in Gingerbread, um, the rat that we're seeing is just one rat. They don't have. It's one rat. Yeah. One rat. Amazing. No, like, extremely protective rat labor laws where they've got to switch out every <laughs> two hours or something. No. Hopefully, I don't think the rat was on set very long. Right. <laughs> Um, so we, uh, you've told us already so many incredible stories, but sometimes there's a story that like we don't pull out in our questions. And even in these um, first three episodes for this arc, we're wondering if you have any fun stories of things that happen during the filming or, you know, offset or anything like that that's related to the series uh, for your time as Amy. Well, I think coming back, um, my character wasn't intended to be goth, um, mm -hmm. but I was surprised to get the call to come back. And I had just finished filming another project 
that required me to cut my hair off, um, ah. dye it dark. And so um, when they called me, my agent had to say, oh, by the way, uh, she looks a little different. <laughs> um, so they tailored the role to that look. Oh, wow. Wow. That was written in after my picture was sent in and here's what she looks like currently. So they made her goth and they created the whole goth line afterwards. Oh my gosh. That makes, I mean, at least it's very believable. I feel like when I was in high school, I had like a year of being goth and a year of getting my stuff from the Salvation Army. And like, you know, it's, it's believable to have that kind of a shift in a character. Yeah. (laughs) And it very much felt that way for Amy, you know, just as she was exploring herself and kind of growing and it made perfect sense to me. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What's your experience been like with what we know to be a still very powerful (laughs) fandom around this series? Do you go to cons or have you in the past or, you know, comic cons, Whedon con? I haven't gone into any of the cons. Um, I went to a couple fan based things and, uh, but I haven't done that in, in years, but it's interesting. I, it's still one of the, I still get recognized as Amy and I'll go out and I'll be with my children and Mm -hmm. somebody will say, Amy, (laughs) my kids don't really understand it. Uh, (laughs) Like she is not Amy. (laughs) She is clearly mom. Right. But it's, it's amazing to me. There's still quite a fan base out there. And now my son is in middle school um, and his friends are watching Buffy. Wow. Oh, man. So has have, have your ch- children seen you on Buffy or have they seen the series at all? My son, ha- my daughter refuses to. She's nine and she just, it's too scary. And I showed her one picture as as a witch and she was, she was out. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> I want no part of that. She's like, that's just weird. Um, but my son is interested and he watched, uh, he, I, I showed him witch just to kind of get his feet wet and see what he thought. And yeah. he's, he just thought it was strange. He said, it's you, but not you. right yes that's the acting nailed it right right I love that your daughter has like a self-awareness of her ability to like to like I feel like that was the opposite of of me as a child I was like oh this seems like it could make me not sleep for weeks so let me consume it it. immediately yeah yeah Yeah, I think my son is more that way he said he's just in he he was like yes bring it he just watched Jaws you know he just yeah, right, 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 right. So tell us, uh, what are you up to these days? You know, I don't know if you have places that you want people to find you. If you're like, uh, you know what, I'm just can go follow the rat. I'm, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> um, I actually paused after my daughter was born. Well, before my daughter was born mm-hmm. um, and just took a break and just to be mom. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. Maybe someday I'll get back there. I just... Uh, I just wanted to be home with my kids. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Of course. I mean, I think that I feel like that's such an important conversation to have. Like, I I don't know. There's such a like, well, so what are you doing now? And it's like, well, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And I just feel like taking time for ourselves and our families and like all of that good stuff is so valuable and important. Oh, it's so hard to to balance. I think it particularly in the in this industry, it just was really hard to balance. I, I went to work after my son was born. And I would have night shoots and, and mm. it was really hard to balance it all. And I just decided I was either going to have to get a full-time nanny or not. And I just chose not to. I wonder if there's um, a connection too for you. Um, we watched the show 
for many reasons, but one of the biggest reasons, and especially in the current climate in our country and in our world, we watch right. it because there's these incredibly strong female characters who do follow their follow their guts and they fight and they work hard and um, and support each other. And I wonder what your thoughts are on what Buffy is doing for has done and continues to do for uh, generations of young women and women of all ages. Well, I think it's really important. I think you know, to watch these young women be so strong and so brave. It was a conversation that was just beginning when Joss created the show. And now I think it's so woven into our society and we're growing it. Um, I think it's great. Yeah. So I want to thank you again. We both want to thank you for taking the time out to be here with us and to share this just series of one incredible story after another yes. uh, with us. And is there, you know, is there anything that you want to share? Did we miss anything? Is there anything that you want to let uh, our listeners know or share with us in general? I just, I'm so grateful for, jo- you know, for Joss and, and all the producers from Buffy to have carried me along and in this series and to have been a part of it. It was a lot of fun. I just really enjoyed myself and I'm, grateful that there's still an audience. Uh, yes, yeah. as are we. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Elizabeth, we hope perhaps in a, in a couple of years to maybe have you back. I mean, no spoilers for our listeners, but like maybe you, maybe you come back, maybe, I don't know. And if you do, we hope to hear from you again, because I know there's, uh, if you do come back, there'll be a lot more to talk about. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Wow. Thank you again. Uh, to Elizabeth Ann Allen for joining huge, us. Huge, huge thanks to Elizabeth Ann Allen. We came to talk to her in such a kismet way. We were look like I was like looking on IMDb to see if there was contact information and I couldn't find any. And then a contact of ours that we were having another conversation totally unrelated to said, you know, um, it, like right, like it was like three days after I was looking up information for her. Said, you know, I actually just, you know, had this conversation with this person and I ran into her husband. And we were chatting and I told him about the podcast and I was like, shut the front door. <laughs> this is meant to be. And it was like totally, yeah, totally it was meant very to be. serendipitous. Can you even handle, can you ever watch the scene again? This scene ever again <laughs> without singing happy birthday <laughs> to Elizabeth Ann Allen is like the one of my favorite stories, if not my favorite story we've heard so far from a behind the scenes yes. like Buffy thing. So, so great. So we've just got really just a, a handful of things left to talk about in this yeah, episode, Yeah, really. namely uh, Buffy's super convincing, uh, you in the back will be fish. <laughs> <laughs> you, we're, we're going to turn you all. Like- yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> poker's not her game. But uh, Giles rips a bobby pin out of Cordelia's uh, hair and picks a lock. Yes. And also, don't forget. Talk about Randy for Giles. Cordelia is uh, bustling about with the inside of toads in the car oh, while they're God. driving over. So mad, but always yes. involved. Also ready with the fire hose. She oh. just breaks that glass and is spraying everyone, like spraying everyone's torches and then just kind of like spraying the people to be like, fuck you guys. I'll tell you what, it was Cordelia and City Hall with, with the, the fire, fire hose. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was. <laughs> Xander and Oz, teamwork, getting through the van, popping yeah. up in that vent, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Then we see the kids transform into their true oh my God. form, which is a very tall... I kind of like him. 
Yeah, there's kind of a bridge troll yeah. fairy tale. Like, very fairy tale. Very as, fairy In terms tale. of, like, uh, what kind of demons we tend to see on the show. Absolutely. Right. It reminds me of, like, the, the look of this demon, even though he is a, an evil demon, is, like, the kind of demon that you see that you think is going to be bad, but then is like jovial really and has a heart of gold. Th- yes, right. But this this one doesn't. My favorite part is that uh, like the demon can't break character, even though it has transformed into its true form and is like, <laughs> protect us, kill the bad girls. <laughs> it's like, well, Cordelia says it best. I think I liked. I think I liked the two little ones more than I liked <laughs> yeah. the one big one. Meanwhile, Giles is like they're Kogenflagen. <laughs> yeah. Like I just feel like Giles did not speak any is he actual really German. German? If you know, let us know, please just, tell us. It sounded like an impression of what you think German would sound like. Right, they're right, Kogenflagen. Right. right. Uh, and then, and then, Buffy is able to uproot the stake to which she is tied. Yes, and uh, does her best, not being able to to look up at yes. the demon to um harp harpoon him. Yes, uh, and is successful. But she doesn't know if she's. She successful. can't tell. <laughs> she's like she's sort of. Did I get him? Did I? Did I get it? And then to just add comedy to comedy, <laughs> right, right. Oz and, and Xander fall through the roof, and Oz is like, we were going to save you. Yeah, we're here to rescue you. We, we, we uh, are men. <laughs> great comic timing. A lot of, a lot of really uh, satisfying moments in this episode, but then also a lot of really frustrating things. Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of you said that you really liked this episode when we tweeted out about the fact that we were sharing it, and I, I, I agree. I think that this is, I think it's a good episode. I'm glad it's, it's here. A good like monster of the week episode, very thought through. I think that some of the monster of the week episodes were sort of left like, wait, where there's some loopholes here. <laughs> Uh, and this one, like, just had a really cool storyline, and uh, you got the the lightness of, like, some jokes here and there, but also, like, there's some really dark shit in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Willow's, like, Willow's relationship with her mom, like, that's so real, sad. real shit that we have not yet seen. That's the first time we see this, and we, like, we're getting deeper layers of Willow's character and what she's going home to at the end of the day. Uh, so I think that's important. And then really thinking, obviously, about mob mentality and like protect the children narratives and Mm -hmm. how that can make people really believe that what they're doing is justifiable is good is right uh so we really you know keep your eyes open because lots of shit like that happens out there in the world where where people use something that plays on emotions that we have to make us feel like we have to take action in a particular direction. I mean, you're all listening to this podcast. I think you do those things anyway. We're all kind of in this together, but it's tricky. It's slippery. It is. Just like a toadstone. It's <laughs> like a toadstone. So our little last scene here. Oh, no. They're trying so hard, but they can't make Amy not a rat anymore. Amy is one cute rat. I'll tell you what. Yeah, that's an adorable that rat. Is a cute I wonder if that rat game. got a lot of work. In 1999, <laughs> that was a cute ass rat. But yeah, so Amy's a rat, and and as we find out, because my one of my questions as we were watching the episode for the first time was like, what are they all gonna like? They've all gone through this as a town now, and but Willow kind of calls it out at the end of the episode, and is just like, my mom's doing that thing that your mom did for all that time, where she doesn't remember anything. Yeah, she just she's has just, a selective memory. Yeah, she's chosen to block it out. That's the real disease of Sunnydale, isn't it? Yes, isn't mm-hmm. it? So. 
So. What an episode. What an episode. There was mob mentality. There was fire. There was. <laughs> happy so, birthday singing. There was de- happy birthday singing on set. Another huge thanks to Elizabeth and Alan for just being so wonderful. Just such a delight. Yes. Well, Jenny, shall we shall we end this thing? Shall we get Good to gravy. the song? Let's get I'm to the excited song. excited to get to the song. I thought you so might So tell be. the people where they can find you. Gee whiz. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast with my wife, Kristen, I'm making songs and playing shows and whatnot. You can learn all about my musical exploits by visiting JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. You could also give me a shout out on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and you can learn all about me and the work that I do with LGBT communities and their families over at KristenNoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. That is also where you can find me on Twitter. And a heads up, if you want to know specifically, if you want to find that work, the organizations that I run are called Everyone is Gay and My Kid is Gay, everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. Tons of resources over there for young people who are coming out who are falling in love with their best friends, tons of resources for parents who have young people who have just come out to them. So it is the holiday season, and you may find that you have a child of your own who has come (laughs) out to you. This is what happens over the holidays, people. So those resources are there for you, and I'm very, very happy that they are. And hey, did you know that Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BufferingCast? Well, you didn't. Now you do. And also, you can drop us an email anytime at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. Yes, day or night. Day or night. And remember that Twitter is going to be a hot hot beacon of sweet, sweet holiday gift goodness when we do our... <laughs> yeah, I said it. You I did. said it. Uh, we're going to be doing some really incredible giveaways. We talked about them at the top of the episode, so you'll want to follow us over there if you want some gifts that you don't even have to pay for. Woo. You can support our work in many ways. One of them is going over to Patreon. Just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on Patreon. You will find all of the details about what you get over there by giving. Really fun stuff. The secret Facebook group, the Buffy watches, the mailbag episodes, and more. Plus, you get to support us. It's like a, it's like a win-win. It's a win-win-win-win-win. <laughs> you can also also go on over to iTunes and rate and review us. That helps people find our podcast and builds this community yes. ever more. And last but certainly not least, you can go on over to our store, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Click on shop and you will see all of the patriarchy smashing t-shirts, the Randy for Giles pins. <laughs> it's really just getting more fun over there by the minute. And it helps us sustain the work. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. And <laughs> until next time. Uh, Lost her mind this week She tried out Mob mentality She's a natural Cause she's very strong In this case Oh god, she was really wrong All the move moms say Well, well, well You're going to hell Cause you're not like us And we can tell Take your magic and burn your books Cause we don't like your witchy looks And since we've got a roaring blaze We may as well burn you at the stake Move Like psychology, won't listen 
She just spouts theory, but this week she's paying attention to groundings and parental fascism. Yeah, all the moon moms say, well, 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 you're going to hell because you're not like us and we can tell. We'll take your magic, burn your books, because we don't like your witchy looks. And since we've got a roaring blaze, we may as well burn you at the stake, moo. This whole kerfuffle is Amy. She's a rat, she's a rat, she's a rat. All the moo moms say, watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H Y P E R T H E T I C A L.